Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, I think we can get started and, you know, everyone else can file in. So, yeah, today we uh, we have some interesting things to discuss, you know, just some some topics of conversation around the Web3 world. Uh, in particular, you know, we want to kind of explore, you know, what Web3 and, you know, this technology, this space, what it's going to look like for our future selves, our future generations, just, you know, what it, what this space will be down the line. I think it's it's fascinating to kind of think about, discuss all the potential use cases and, you know, even think of, you know, learn about things we might not have even thought of being a use case. So uh, definitely want to talk about that. And also, what does mass adoption look like? You know, we, we've seen a bunch of news with a lot of big companies coming into this space. And this has, you know, rightfully kicked off the you're reignited rather the conversation of, of mass adoption, what it looks like. There are, you know, some camps that think centralization is actually the way to mass adoption, which kind of goes against the whole ethos of, of web three. But then there are others, you know, that are, you know, your web three maxis that still think decentralization is, is the only way. So definitely want to hear everyone's thoughts on, on that, how you think mass adoption will, uh, will come about and, and what you think that road looks like. So yeah, let's, um, let's get started here. And we just had a uh, real vision bot join us as well. So yeah, real vision bot, I was just letting them know we're going to be discussing, uh, what the road to mass adoption looks like. Is it, is it centralization? Is it decentralization? And what this space is going to look like for, for our future generations and, you know, anything that comes up in between there. So yeah, I want to, I guess I want to kick it off to, to real vision and, and Jason here and see what, what are your guys' thoughts? I guess let's start with uh, what will this space look like for our future generation? You know, what do you guys, what do you guys think this space is going to turn into? Hey, hey, GM, GM. Uh, what do I think it's going to turn into? Man, I don't really know. Uh, but I was, I was listening to um, Stani Kulichev, the guy from Ave, who is doing Lens also, which is like a Web3 social protocol. And he was talking about one of the benefits of what Lens can do is that basically you can make your profile and it'll be on chain. And then anyone else can make a social app or a dApp and choose their algorithms, right? So, you know, Twitter has their own, Instagram has their own, they keep changing it. And uh, I was thinking to the Netflix documentary, Social Dilemma, I don't know if anyone in the audience has seen that, I think a lot of people have, and how, you know, the big few people in the space, you know, Instagrams and all that have kind of optimized for a specific type of engagement. And what Lens is talking about, where you can change your algorithm and you, anyone can join whichever dApp that they like, you know, that's a big shift. And for our future generations, you know, if they have that choice, if, if we aren't kind of beholden to the platform and how they want to drive engagement, that's going to be 
a, a big change um, in terms of what people like and how people are influenced and how people interact. Have you guys seen that uh, documentary, Social Dilemma? I must admit I haven't seen it. Sorry. But GM everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big one. You should watch it. It's pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, I haven't caught it yet, so but stuff. I'll watch it. <laughs> if anyone in the audience uh, has seen it, has, has thoughts on, you know, on that and how the big tech companies drive towards that and advertisement and Web3, you know, definitely uh, raise your hand and, and we'll pull you up and we can chat about that. But, you know, I think like that's going to be huge. And when I think about what whatever big social platform it is, metaverse, you know, where people are spending their time, it obviously is going to have a big impact because we see it already is, right? If you just think, look at gaming uh, is one example that I think of outside of social media. You have 13-year-olds playing with, you know, 20, 30, 40-year-olds, uh, and they're just interacting with each other. And it's kind of not moderated. <laughs> and a lot of those conversations, like if you're playing Call of Duty or something, uh, some are not safe for work. Some are not probably appropriate for those uh, younger kids that are playing who are a lot of times better than the older folks. But it's just an interesting um way that if you spend so much time in a, in a place like that, it, it affects you, right? It, it changes you, like whether it's desensitization or you're just getting normalized to certain behaviors um, that has a big impact on our generations and us right now and everyone's spending time online. And, you know, obviously that's just, we're already spending most of our time online and things are getting better and better and we're going to spend more and more time online. So it's just, uh, yeah, something I, I've been thinking about. I've, uh, two young ones so we'll see uh by the time they're ready to jump on a cell phone and jump in the metaverse <laughs> we'll see what things are like but yeah anyone in the audience seen that social dilemma or have any thoughts it's definitely interesting to see the same topic coming up on different angles i just uh yesterday i finished reading the bloomberg article that matt levine put out there um, it's super, super interesting. So I can share the link after this call. It's um, the first Bloomberg article that's, I think, 40,000 um, kind of, um, or has a length of 40,000 um, signs, right? It's super, super lengthy. They did the last one in 1993 that was the same length. So this means, um, this highlights just the importance of the, the article itself, I think. And it's called The Crypto Story. And in it, Matt Levine, if you don't know him, he has been kind of a, I wouldn't say crypto skeptic, but um, a little bit at least uh, in that direction. He basically describes his views on crypto in a very general um, view. And I think it's it's very positive coming from someone who has been a skeptic that he basically takes the same angle like you mentioned that, Jason, now um, that basically the key lesson is that a bunch of people can get together online and they make their community to have economic value and then they capture the value for themselves. He sees that in a critical light a little bit, but he also sees the benefits of that. And I think that is um, probably also the thing that gets highlighted in the social graph, right? Yeah, for sure. That what, that was a, a great article. I'm only at about maybe 15,000 words in out of that 40. Uh, but yeah, he like you mentioned, he was a skeptic, but 
from what I've read so far, it, it's a really great article. He, you know, he's educational and he, he looks at both sides. So we should definitely post that for everyone to read. Crypto Keto, I see uh, you jumped on stage. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, yeah. I, I, um, I think uh, adoption is coming uh, slowly, but surely I see it in a lot of the NFT project that are uh, there. It's kind of like uh, to get the mass adoption. If, if it's a place where you just getting something and you don't really need to uh, think that it's crypto, I think that's, that's the, uh, that's the game plan to get everybody on board, whether you like crypto or not. If you like the item you're getting like a lot, a lot of, uh, like, for example, um, project that I'm uh, part of, and they they, uh, they do uh, sneakers and they have NFT embedded into them. So you're buying the sneaker, you're getting a digital sneaker, and you're also getting the, uh, the real sneaker. And they were doing, uh, uh, one of the drop was for a fundraiser in the Boston area, and they did sell merchandise at an event that, uh, you know, people were buying a sneaker just because they were sneakers. And then they were saying, hey, by the way, there's an NFT that comes with it. And so the NFT was the value add, not the uh, the primary proposition for the purchase. Uh, and then you're seeing Starbucks that's going to do their reward program. And it's kind of the same thing. And it, I, I love seeing that because you're seeing mass onboarding of people that would otherwise not be in the nft slash crypto space yeah for sure so so do you think that you know where we're at in the industry right now is we've already gotten through that early adopters phase where people have jumped in because it's crypto because it's nft and now the next jump is 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 more than that people aren't just early adopters but the real real utility real value on the technology itself is, is what's going to draw the next uh, bunch of people in. I think so because um, if you're if you're not uh, technology inclined, I mean let, let's not kid ourselves. Like it's not that easy to, to buy and to know which chain the NFT is on, which wallet you have to use, and then God forbid you're looking to play in DeFi to start using bridges and and like knowing where your money is and if it's uh you know there's multiple steps when you're going into different pools to uh you know and then to to stake your your liquidity token i mean that's you know your average joe schmo is not looking to to find all that stuff out um i think because they 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 just rather go to the bank and i was listening to uh, a podcast on the wall street journal that they were saying that there's these new types of CDs that are offered by your broker because they realize that people don't even want to go the extra mile to get extra yield in a bank account. So I, I think the, the adoption that we've seen so far, which is very small, we need the next level where Raul was talking about where the wallet needs to be simple. I think, you know, if you get players like Apple coming in where they make it very seamless, even now, like you can buy, you can buy Ethereum and a few other tokens using your Apple Wallet, and that that makes it a lot more um, accessible to to the masses, in my opinion. Anyway, I totally agree to that. 
um, also regarding the the ease of adoption. I think we discussed it last time as well. And kind of my conclusion or my idea about it is always like it has to be for the mass adoption, the use case for NFTs has to be in the background, actually. And it can't be mainly about how difficult it is to uh, use the thing. So totally agree to that. One thing that comes to mind when it's about the ease of access, um, we as a team, we have tested different metaverses. We haven't talked about it a lot, um, but we kind of, our challenge was, can we actually hold a team meeting in the metaverse? That was our first use case, because if we fail at that, and it's not even possible to basically make our meetings more efficient, then it's probably not something that we would use on a day-to-day -day basis, right? And we we struggled with some of the platforms. There were some where the audio didn't work, where the login was totally tricky and everyone dropped out again. And then finally we found one which uh, seems to be promising. But it already shows you, even if you're very inclined to test the the whole market and look at it, do some research, if it takes you a whole week to figure out which platform to, to use, yeah, well, then normal people will go back to Zoom or whatever is just at hand. One thing to say, though, is, you know, we tested uh, that first one and we had those audio issues, but probably within a month, I think they fixed it. So there's a lot of innovation happening and it's happening fast. So, yeah, there's so many different platforms you can try and test and it is very in that early test phase, but things are changing and improving really quick. Uh, but just to go back to like the mass adoption and how kind of the UX or all of this has to improve, you know, today we're talking about future generations and the road to mass adoption. I wonder how much of an impact will it be like the next demographic who are just digitally native and just used to like, you know, jumping, maybe jumping from chain to chain, uh, you know, and using different DeFi protocols will just be just so natural to them. You know, is that what's really going to take this upswing? Do we have to wait until the, the younger generation starts to have money and, you know, starts coming into the industry or will we get, you know, some real innovative stuff coming before then? I don't know. Just to give you a little background, I, I'm 53. I have a 14-year-old son, and I can run circle around him and all his friends in any of these these places. Uh, even in Sandbox, like, I had to, to beg them to go in and to uh, try the uh, – when, when uh, they were running all kinds of uh, contests and stuff in there, it, it seems – I don't know. May, maybe it's just the group that's around me, but – I, I don't, uh, I don't, um, it's got to get easier because right. the, the attention span, that, I think that's where, you know, yes, they may be more apt to being on their phone and all that technology, but their attention span is very limited. And if, like you were saying, if you got to like play around a few weeks before you get the sound right for something, they're not going to like, they'll move on to something else. And same thing. When it comes to buying NFT, or I mean, you—I'm sure you guys see it on Discord. Like, if if the thing doesn't appear right away when there's drops, like people go crazy, like, and they get so mean. Like, I, I've never seen stuff like that. Like, if it's not like right right away, um, yeah. The the and I think that's that's a you know whole other subject as far as where we're going with America. But I think people's attention spans very small. 
You know, I think, um, you know, I think one of the, the ways to mass adoption or, or what, what essentially is going to be one of the keys to mass adoption is that interoperability. And, and more so, I'm speaking specifically interoperability between metaverses. So, you know, you have, let's say, an NFT, for example, and you're using that as your digital avatar. You're, going, you're in Sandbox, and then you can easily jump from Sandbox to Decentraland to, you know, the other side and, you know, to whatever other metaverse metaverses are out there because in in my opinion i think there's going to be multiple metaverses i think technically we're in a metaverse right now speaking to each other if you want to think about it um you know we're all online you know talking in in a in a centralized space if you will you know with our digital avatars on on the screen um so yeah i, I think interoperability is going to be a huge one and actually to to touch on crypto keto's point i think you're absolutely right our attention span is is very is very limited these days and if you think about like you know the whole twitter culture and how everything is in bite-sized information 140 words we do have a very limited attention span and i think while gaming is definitely I think a way to potentially get the younger generations and, you know, generation alpha, you know, the, the, the Gen Z into, into this space. Uh, I think another very interesting use case that's not talked about as often, um, you know, we all know about AI and everyone's talking about artificial intelligence and that kind of stuff. But I think augmented reality AR is another very interesting uh, way to mass adoption or getting people involved. If you, if you kind of think about the success that Pokemon Go had, that was kind of a version of augmented reality. I think it's connecting like, you know, the real world and the Web3 world with, you know, these little images that you can see in real life. Maybe you have like, you know, glasses on or something like, you know, those Google Lens things that, that they have on that you're able to interact in the real world, but also with digital images. I think that's a very interesting uh, use case that's going to, that's being developed and it's going to present itself uh, more. And, you know, one, one example that I heard someone talk about was, you know, think about going to Disney world with your kids and you wanted to have a birthday party. Like think about how expensive it is to, you know, rent out a room or a place in Disney world. Well, now if you just invited all your friends over or, you know, into the park and you all had these little glasses on, you can go about, you know, that whole birthday party with in your own little world and everyone else can still experience Disney world in their own little world. So I thought that was a very, very interesting concept. And I do think uh, augmented reality is, is, uh, is another way uh, forward. And another thing, I know I'm just kind of going crazy off tangents. I'm really excited about this concept. But another thing I think is very cool and that can definitely speak to the younger generations is the, uh, is the concept of digital wearables. You know, we know that these, these kids are buying, you know, spending lots of money, these V-Bucks on, um, on uh, Fortnite skins and all these different like avatar, uh, avatars that you're going to wear on your game. But now imagine, now take that augmented reality concept and now imagine you can wear those Fortnite skins that you bought on your, you know, in real life. So somebody is wearing those glasses and they see that crazy Fortnite skin as your outfit. So I think that's another way that younger generations will be, uh, will definitely get into it because, you know, it's all about swag and, and hype and things like that. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For sure. Have have you seen uh, in our internal Real Vision Slack, someone posted this uh, Twitter post uh, tweet about, uh, it was like a video of some AI type thing where it was like this woman walking and she was changing her outfit as she was walking. So I guess she took a video, a normal video of herself, and then just her outfit kept changing and it was AI doing that. And if you think about, you know, a lot of people buy stuff specifically to post it on the gram just for the clout that you get there. So we don't have to actually buy the real thing, but now you could just buy a digital thing that is just put on you and it's, you know, it makes you look good and all that. Like that'd be huge. I think that's really tied to where we're going. I'll try to find that tweet and share it as well, but it was, it was crazy. It looks so realistic. Can't remember that one, but definitely curious the thing that comes to mind uh just that i have to thought about think about when um gold member mentioned it was my first experience with um google glasses or i think that was more like a helmet back then um so that's maybe eight years ago um it was super heavy um it was super expensive as well and it was given to me by an asset management company and what they wanted to do with us was actually testing ways to engage customers in kind of a metaverse and it was uh, augmented reality so um, you could basically display things in, in in the room and of course the use case was very similar to what we or what usually businesses think about when they think about the metaverse they want you to hold meetings in the metaverse which is basically the most boring use case I can really think of I don't want to hold meetings even in zoom so I don't definitely don't want to hold meetings in the metaverse if it's not necessary, if it doesn't add anything like, for, for example, for myself, a whiteboard or something where I can scribble on it and don't have to make a PowerPoint presentation, stuff like that. So back to the story. It was the same back then. They wanted us to engage customers for asset management in augmented reality, which, of course, was extremely boring. But the thing that customers really liked was there was another app installed that they forgot to remove from the Google Glasses and that was kind of a game where a little fox was running around. You could collect coins in augmented reality and that one everyone loved, right? Even 40, 50-year-old people, they immediately got that. They understood how it works and it was fun, right? And even if it wasn't our primary mission, most people used that game and I think that is telling us something about the ways of adoption and um, I agree with Goldmember there. It will be maybe not even for, only for the younger generation through gaming and things that are truly enjoyable in that space, but also for the older generation, right? If you think about people who kind of have to stay in bed, who are in hospital and how do you engage them, they can actually use this as well and they can enter reality that is maybe um, not accessible to them anymore. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, you just kind of sparked a couple of ideas in my mind about, you know, you know, companies looking for ways to engage, uh, whether that be with customers or, or their own employees, you know, 
people love access and people love being kind of insiders or having exclusivity. So, you know, just imagine, you know, taking that augmented reality example, like imagine you go to Starbucks with a friend and you're the one wearing your augmented reality glasses and you know, Starbucks has that secret menu. Well, now you wearing those augmented reality glasses, you're able to order something off of the menu that normal people that aren't wearing those glasses can see. I think that can also spark some, you know, interest like, oh, I'm missing out on something. You know, people people are are creatures of FOMO. So I think that's uh, that's very interesting. And another concept that I've heard about was uh, with shopping and online shopping that we have right now. You know, you can add things to your cart and you can, you know, check out and, and just buy it online without ever having to go to the store. But now imagine if these, uh, you know, these... Um, You can now have a metaverse shopping option where you can now jump into the metaverse and you can actually be in the store while you're, you know, still online shopping. It just provides a different kind of experience. You can, you know, virtually try things on in the dressing room and and things like that. So I think uh, it's coming and I think it's, it's very interesting. And I think these are all ways that, you know, people that aren't used to crypto, these are all concepts that they can understand and get behind. And then uh, we've seen from Reddit as well, and we'll, we'll kind of get into this in a little bit, that people do like NFTs and digital collectibles and digital assets. It's just there's a messaging problem and they need to understand why it's being done. It's, you know, they think of NFTs as a scam. It's kind of a, a taboo, you know, bad word in, in the real world. But um, if we repackage it to them and kind of show them, hey, there's actually underlying utility behind this, you know, without kind of force feeding it to them, what CryptoKeto was saying, you know, kind of let them use it without actually knowing they're using it. I think uh, that's the way forward. Absolutely. And I still haven't gotten any Reddit avatar, so I still have to mint those. But you, I mean, they, they succeeded. They brought me back onto the platform, even though I haven't checked out the channels until uh, Jimmy on, and Wall Street Bets um, made it there. So that is also one form of engagement. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, you and Goldmember aren't the biggest Redditors. But uh, one cool thing about their NFT, the thing is that, like, it's multiple NFTs, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like, you can have one that's like a hat and one's like a necklace or whatever. So it's not just one PFP. It's like you, you stack them like real wearables. So I thought that was a pretty cool uh, way that they chose to implement it. Yeah. And gold member was blocked for shilling real vision pro crypto <laughs> NFTs on Reddit. So I have to admit this here. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I created a Reddit account uh, two days ago for the first time. I, I've, I've known about Reddit. I, you know, come across it, of course, but I never created an account and I created an account and it's not like crypto Twitter where you can just talk about things and shill things and just talk about other projects. That's a, that's a no, no. So if you're going on Reddit, uh, they're very strict about following those rules. <laughs> we appreciate you uh, trying to boost the floor for, for our collection, but no, man, Reddit is, great like um because of a few messages in our discord about staking i just started to do some research and there's a r slash eat staking subreddit and yeah there's just so much information and resources and you know obviously it's all out there already but just the way it's formatted and with the power of community it just kind of less than halves your research time because people have already done the hard work for you so check it out and I think another thing that makes the whole Reddit idea so interesting is, is first of all, Reddit has more 
uh, registered wallets than OpenSea does. So that's right there. That's like that raises your, you know, your eyes and and says like, hey, they're doing something really, really big here. Uh, I think another thing that this does is while you know I've got while I've been diving in Reddit, I created a new account today and I'm following the rules, so I'll, I won't get kicked off this time. But while I've been doing some research, I've, I've found that they are very interested strictly in, in, av- in their Reddit avatars, and they kind of just want to keep the conversation focused to that. But as we know, and as you know, think about your journey in crypto and when you first started, that's how it starts out. You start with one thing, you know, maybe you started as a Bitcoin maxi, and all of a sudden, a couple of years later, now you have a wallet full of NFTs that you never would have thought you had. Uh, I think that's kind of the process that we're, we're going to be experiencing here as they kind of understand this, as they maybe get new liquidity coming in from a free uh, avatar they minted, they're now going to be more willing to explore the other ecosystem, which is going to bring uh, everything together. And one of the great things about what Reddit is doing, what Starbucks is doing, is that they're building on Polygon, which in turn can then be sold on OpenSea. So these people are going to be coming into OpenSea as well. So I think that's just creates such a big, a bigger pool for us to now, you know, welcome more people in and just get more liquidity into the system. So if you think they're just going to stay on Reddit, that may be the case for right now, but that's not always going to be the case as we, as I, you know, I can tell you from my personal experience. Yeah. The fact that you can sell uh, some of these NFTs, like from Starbucks or even the rewards, which I don't know if it's NFTs or just ERC 20s, but the fact that you can sell them, it's huge, you know, obviously from a consumer perspective, it, it's great. You, you collect tons of Starbucks points and then you can go sell it for whatever other air miles if you want. You know, I've I read a few posts about that, how that's huge, not only for the consumer, but that just opens the doors for all these companies. And they're a little re- reluctant right now because, you know, they have all the power if they keep the doors closed. But when your token has like you're talking about interoperability or it's freely exchanged in a marketplace and it's more liquid, uh, it definitely like it adds more to it, right? There's, it's more valuable because I'll go to Starbucks and I'll collect my points because I know I can go get it for air miles if I want to after the fact. Coming back to the, the Reddit thing, it's also kind of um, already now you can see that they incentivize the community to work with the template they gave them. Right, there's kind of the way that the community members can already launch different collectible avatars on the templates they provided. So with the first drop, they already started and kind of allowed people to build upon the platform. And think that's really powerful, even if there is no utility or use case directly. It's basically a competition, whoever does the best PFP based on the general concept of the avatar will win big. So this is already the token economy at heart. Yeah, and another thing they're doing uh, is that some of these communities are, from what I understand, some of them are already tokenized and some of them are becoming tokenized where they are going to you know, give you tokens based on your engagement and the content that you provide as well. So I think that's that's very interesting. You're going to be able to use those tokens to customize your avatar, maybe purchase new avatars, or maybe down the line there will be liquidity added to those tokens and you know maybe you can do some DeFi with them as well. So I think that's, that's also another interesting concept that Reddit is doing. And um, I don't, I can't remember where I saw this. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. 
but I do believe Reddit is working on or has plans to create their own marketplace where you can buy other NFTs on it. So if that does come as well, then that just kind of speaks to that whole, you know, Reddit wallets and OpenSea wallets, you know, creating a lot more adoption and, and more liquidity into the space. And I think it's it's also another interesting um, thing because Reddit is a, is a very established, you know, company. I know they've been around for a while. People trust the brand. So I think people would be more inclined to buy their NFTs from, you know, a Reddit marketplace than, you know, perhaps an X2, Y2, where, you know, may might not know anything about and might be nervous to connect their wallet. Reddit gives you that, you know, it gives you that trust and that, you know, I guess they have their loyalty to Reddit in, in that sense. Like I, I've never used Reddit before the last few days, but I do know that they're around and I do know that they're, you know, I guess, quote unquote, a trustworthy brand. So it's uh, it, it provides people a lot more security uh, as opposed to going to, you know, these brand new marketplaces that may have popped up uh, in the last year or so. And another thing is I think this competition is great for the space. It's going to require marketplaces like OpenSea, LooksRare, Magic Eden to become better and more uh, user-friendly and, and have the customer in mind and the trader in mind more so than, than maybe they already do. You know, competition can, is always a good thing in these free markets. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Reddit uh, come into the space. And I'm looking forward to seeing other companies building into the space in the way that Starbucks and, and Reddit themselves have done. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, the the founder Alexis Sohanian is definitely very pro crypto, and it's just a big relief for me to see the success of uh, Reddit NFTs and that the community has embraced it. Because Reddit from the start was, um, you know, all about uh, your upvotes and you know tracking reputation from that perspective, and even just giving each other Reddit gold. So the community was very primed for crypto and that kind of ownership and that kind of tracking but so is gaming but gaming ended up hating nfts so a, a big sign of relief for me to just see okay they like it they didn't reject it you know another we can onboard a lot more people and usher in some more uh, innovators and builders in the space you know, Jason, I'm glad you mentioned that that gaming aspect. So I've been listening to a few uh, gaming Twitter spaces with, you know, there's a few chief gaming officers that are on there and just some people that are involved in the gaming industry or just gaming aspects of Web3. And they have been saying that there are currently meetings going on across multiple companies within the gaming industry there there i think there's a conference going on right now where they're talking about exactly this and how they are going to implement blockchain into their uh you know their products going forward without upsetting the larger gaming audience so these conversations are being had and you know these smart people are going to figure out a way to do it uh and i think like again I might sound like a, like a broken record here, but we've seen from Reddit that they do like this stuff. They just need to, uh, it needs to be explained to them in a different way than, than what we have been explaining it or the way, you know, we, we've known it for the last few years. Yeah, yeah. for sure. The rebranding. We did it with, uh, from what, from crypto or blockchain to Web3. That made uh, a big boost and made people kind of read more articles and, and like it easier and, yeah, Reddit did it with, instead of NFTs, what do they call it? Digital collectibles? Yeah, digital collectibles. <laughs> but it's still an NFT, right? 
Yeah, you know, there's all those memes going around. Don't tell them. Where... Don't, don't tell them that. Yeah, don't don't tell them that. But there's these memes going around where you know they they're saying, "Yeah, oh, this is the same thing." Or there's I know there's a, there was a popular uh, Reddit post that went around where uh, a, a redditor commented or posted that uh, these aren't NFTs; they're digital collectibles, and then explains why. But then literally just explained exactly what an NFT is and what we've been using for the last few years. So it's pretty funny, but they're they're getting it. So that's that's what's. I don't care what you call it; call it whatever you'd like, uh, as long as you you come into this space and, and join us all. It's probably a legal question for them. They decided that they have to rebrand it to digital collectible so that it makes sense. I. I I'm very convinced that this, that's the case. Coming back, maybe one thing to add to the um, gaming um, discussions, and I think like I'm, I know that Delphi has been outspoken about gaming and has published on ProCrypto several interesting reports. I'm always kind of thinking that, well, the gaming companies themselves, when I think back to my gaming experience was mostly uh, mass multiplayer online games, what incentive can a gaming company have to implement uh, NFTs? Because first of all, they benefit the community. So you have to come up with the economic incentive for the gaming company to actually develop a marketplace where users can truly own the assets and trade them, which is, it's definitely there. I mean, we have seen the marketplaces um, making money. So I would say, if you think about it and map it out correctly, that's a way for gaming companies to stay relevant and also kind of profit from that while giving the community true ownership. So in my eyes, that's a big plus if they think through it. The other thing that um, that comes to mind where, I, where they probably have to wrap their heads around is the economic system inside the game. So most of the games I've been playing have struggled with keeping a stable economy, similar to our economy, right? There's deflation, there's inflation, but it's kind of much easier, of course, if you're controlling the whole economy and you're in control of the numbers, you can put out special items the way you want. You can inflate and deflate them if uh, prices go crazy. And I've seen that in World of Warcraft, for example. That's the best example I can think of where... Um, this has happened numerous times if people have been accumulating special items and then they were just disappearing and then you couldn't sell them anymore, stuff like that. This, of course, goes away if you kind of give the power of the market to the community. You will no longer be able to really control the ecosystem or at least you have a much, much um, kind of tighter way of moving in that ecosystem if you're the market maker of it. So... That's probably something they have to wrap their heads around. And I would think that they see it also as a power because, as we know in gaming, there needs to be a certain level of inflation to actually create incentives for new users to, to come on. I've also been in games where the game's structure or the ecosystem has been implemented by the community, where the server is run by the community and they have their own economy. And you can see that like there's no new members coming in because they have removed that inflation of assets. There's not all the time a new drop of, of some special uh, gear or something. So the old people love it. They are in there. So um, they stick around, but no, no one else is coming in because it removes the chance to actually gain your stake in the system. You have to either buy your way up or really spend a lot of time in the game. And that's maybe something coming back uh, to our discussion earlier about um, 
kind of the younger generations and the patience in that space, that's just something maybe in gaming that people do not have the patience to really earn your stake. You know, I think you bring up a, a great point. And actually, I think one of the reasons, or I, I think one of the, the, yeah, one of the reasons why I think gaming companies are so interested in this and why they, they, they're behind this is because I think it puts microtransactions back on the table for them. You know, I don't know if, how familiar everyone is with, you know, the gaming culture and everything, but microtransactions is something that gamers absolutely hate. And, you know, to be honest with you, rightfully so. Um, EA Sports or EA EA had a big controversy with uh, with microtransactions so much so that they actually had to eliminate it altogether. But you know, Web three blockchain puts that back on the table because now you can just have these little weapon drops, you know, item drops, you know, character upgrades, whatever it is, and you can buy them. But now you own these things and you can resell them. So that takes you know, hey, I'm just you know, putting my money in and putting my money in, but now you're getting something back and you can profit off of it. And then you can use that maybe to purchase another asset uh, in game that you can then use. So I think uh, for the game, for the, the company side of things, it, it makes a lot of sense. And for the consumer side of things, it now makes more sense because you're able to own these assets. You know, uh, you're not, I think Assassin's Creed or, or there was another game that you you were buying assets and all of a sudden they just deleted all of the assets. So all that money, all that time spent was gone, but this isn't the case anymore. So I think, again, packaging, marketing, messaging, I think if we can get that right, people will definitely uh, love this concept. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah, from the company's perspective of, you know, controlling the economy, I mean, just commissions and royalties, you know, obviously comes to mind. If they can enforce that, then that's just already a whole new stream of revenue for them. But I think what will like really take off is a comp uh, a gaming company that really uses community to kind of push their game, right? Because when you look at the idea of super fans and people who become your own marketers, right? Like if if I grind for you know, 10 hours a day, and I, I earn this cool sword as an NFT, and then I post it on um, all my socials, then I'm just bringing in, you know, more attention to their game, bringing in more people, people might still have to come in to their game, buy their game, buy whatever points it is to try to get that same sword. So if you let, you know, your, your biggest players and the people who are really grinding in your game, like kind of market it because it helps them, but it's also going to help you as a, a, a gaming company. So I think someone who harnesses, um, you know, community, open markets, uh, it, that's just really going to take off. It's just a matter of figuring out how to do that and who's going to do that first. But I know that's going to come for sure. What microtransactions were ha was happening with EA? Like people were selling, I don't even know what games are, you could do that in, in EA. Yeah, it was uh, it was the Star Wars game. I think uh, Star Wars. I think it's called Battlefront or Two Star Wars. It was the second version of that Star Wars game that EA released. 
uh, where there was going to be microtransactions. Like, for example, you had to pay a certain amount to unlock Darth Vader uh, and unlock these characters and get certain weapons. And that was just such a huge backlash that they just eliminated that altogether. And actually, if you, if, um, I don't know how many Europeans we have in the crowd, but I, I believe uh, the EU actually put in a law that microtransactions are, are gambling, essentially. So I don't believe it's even allowed in, in Europe. I Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I did remember seeing that being put forth. Um, so yeah, people weren't happy about it at all. But I think, again, you know, this brings a new aspect to it and ownership to it that kind of changes the game a little bit. And to put that into perspective, the EA made 1.7 billion US dollars in a period of three months with these microtransactions in the game. So um, it, that you can see there was definitely kind of a demand for this and there's definitely a, a giant market. And I, I think, Goldmember, you're right. At least in some European countries, it is banned and also some things uh, like, I think, treasury boxes you can buy, like where you get an unknown item i think this is banned as well because it's kind of um entering gambling regulations here yes that's you're right that's what it was the the treasury loot box thing uh yeah that's that's the gambling aspect of it and you know what you're, you're right like 1.7 billion dollars on these microtransaction is is huge now imagine if you take that, and then on top of that, these people that own these assets, now they're trading it and selling it, and you're on top of that initial money or you know liquid that you got from that sale of these transactions, now you're making royalties off of the secondary market sale, and your consumers, your gamers, your clients, whatever you want to call them, uh, are, are happy because they're also making money off of it. So it, it's, it's a very interesting concept. And I think gaming companies can see the dollars uh, being generated while also seeing the benefit for their, uh, their, their gamers. So... This brings us back, I think, to one of the topics we teased earlier, which is centralization, right? Because we, we haven't touched upon this or not directly. We have kind of mentioned um, ways or platforms that definitely would imply centralization. Um, because in that case, for example, gaming is one of the good examples. There's still the dependency on the game. I mean, only in an ideal world, we, you would be able to kind of make the whole game community-driven, which is then the extreme case, right? Taking it to the next level, you have kind of decentralization in ownership of the the items, but then you even decentralize the game, and we are seeing this as well, right? There are, there are projects which are building completely around decentralized gaming, decentralized movies, even scripts written by DAOs, stuff like that. So it's even going into a more extreme direction if you're going down the rabbit hole. Yeah, you know, this this whole conversation about centralization versus decentralization is uh is definitely one that, you know, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around on what where the mass adoption is gonna come from. I think the the truth of the matter is people want things fast, they want things cheap, and they want things easy. So generally decentralization is kind of the opposite of that, you know things that are decentralized generally work slower you know they're more expensive you just think about you know bitcoin um so i i think there's going to be it, it's going to be tough i think if mass adoption is going to come 
you're going to need to th- make things cheaper and faster. And with that's going to come a certain amount of centralization. I think that's just kind of the way it, it is. Yeah, I think centralization is definitely um, the path to mass adoption. You know, you'll have everyone knows some people who will be like, oh, I don't use Google because they're, they're tracking everything. And on one hand, some people think, look at them and they say, hey, you have your put on your tinfoil hat. Like you're so paranoid. And then on the other end, you have people who say, like, I don't care. Like, I would prefer targeted ads or I prefer, like you're saying, whole number, you know, uh, better results in my in, in my searches and, you know, more targeted, personalized experiences. And right now, you know, I think centralization is is the only way that we can serve that up. But maybe some way, some further future state when more and more stuff is on chain and we're able to pull, you know, data and maybe a ZK fashion, we can do that. But for now, I think it's going to start centralized. And uh, that's the only way people are going to adopt this stuff. No, absolutely. And like, even if you think about the security standpoint, which, you know, uh, RV bot was mentioning earlier in, in the beginning of this conversation, that's really the old, the, the truth of the matter is people don't want that response. I know it's your, you know, it's your money. It's, you know, your hard work that earned that money. But the truth of the matter is people don't want the responsibility of controlling that. That's why we have our money in banks and we let them take care of it. Right. So I think a lot of people are used to that. And the, it's a very scary concept that your keys, your wallet uh, type deal, because it's all on you. If you make one mistake, you can lose a, a lot of things. If you click a wrong button, you can lose stuff. So I don't think people that scares people. And, and, you know, also what crypto keto was, was mentioning before, like people just, it's, it's difficult to kind of figure out which wallet I should be using. What's the safest wallet. How do I buy this? Uh, how do I, you know, send it to a ledger and keep it offline? Like these are difficult concepts. So I think a centralized, you know, maybe exchange that forms like this centralized custodial wallet, you know, whatever it is through Coinbase, what, you know, you know, another large bank that comes in, whatever it is, I think that's going to get people more interested because now they're going to feel safe. They have a trusted entity that's controlling their money. And, you know, maybe it, you know, if regulation comes, these kinds of things can be, you know, FDIC insured and that gives another layer of safety for people. So yeah, I, I agree with you, Jason. This is a hot topic, right? Um, I mean, I can see dystopian scenarios on both ends of the spectrum uh, for full centralization, but also for full decentralization, actually. Um, um, Seeing the move towards um, ownership of everything on chain, um, your credentials, your logins, your achievements, and anything that opens up on the one end or on the one extreme, the social scoring debate and on the other hand you have uh, the full centralization which of course then always depends on how much do you trust um, centralization and the central authority um, in that regard so i think it's a it's a fine road and uh, maybe also a narrow road where we have to move between both use cases and make actually use of them where they apply and where they make sense and i think countries will also apply it very differently and put it to use very differently in that space. One good example I could think of, by the way, of um, a decentralized protocol that works very well and also fastest automated market makers um, coming from the financial industry. It's, of course, kind of something we know which works in, in central ways. 
and the normal market making concept, for example, is something which would not work um, because of speed. It would not work, for example, um, replicating extra the same structure in a decentralized world. But like very early on, Vitalik he put on um, an alternative to the traditional way of market making by actually bonding the price and having these automated market makers where in the simplest case, even they depend on his assumption back then. So this is one of the use cases where kind of there was true innovation actually through to crypto itself because it brought up a completely new way of, of market making itself. The good thing is that in general, most people want to get rich and, uh, you know, blockchains provide ownership and i think uh ownership is one of the only ways towards true wealth so you know you might not want to do all the security and all the other things but uh people want to, to build their wealth so ownership is one of those one of the best paths absolutely so if we have anyone else who wants to come on stage feel free to raise your hand ask questions we are here we are also happy to take suggestions for upcoming spaces we have already some guests listed uh, for some of the spaces we of course also take suggestions we are happy to engage people who want to chat about web3 each week um and yeah we we are always looking forward of course uh, to keep the conversation open yeah absolutely uh you know that's kind of the whole point of this is to just have these you know interesting conversations learn new things maybe learn new ideas that might be coming down the road that we can you know further dive into and research. Uh, and yeah, we will be bringing on other guests from the NFT space to kind of, you know, do Q and A's with, uh, and just kind of pick their brain on, on certain aspects of web three where their specialty lies in. So we will absolutely be doing that as, as these web three Wednesdays progress. So we appreciate everyone who's, who's tuning in. We appreciate those of you that come on to, you know, chat with us. And, and if you, if you're shy and you don't feel like chatting, we still appreciate you for being in the, in the crowd and listening. All right. I think that's it for, for this week. Um, we covered so many topics. I think we need to give it a thought. And as I said, if you have any remarks, comments, questions, feel free to drop us a tweet on Twitter or engage us on the Discord. We're happy to always interact with you. Thank you all for joining today and uh, happy to be talking next week about another interesting topic from Web3. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.